Welcome to Make Your Marketing. I'm your host, Pia Larson, Chief Imagination Officer here at Fingerprint Marketing. Just like other small business owners, I had to learn how to navigate marketing and found there was no such thing as an automatic when it comes to driving your business. You need to know how to shift. That said, there's no reason to stall or come to a stop. With the right guide, you can be in the driver's seat and lapping your competition in no time. Hey there, welcome back to Make Your Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Pia Larson, and today I have Brian Treadler with me, who is all around funny guy. And one of my favorite topics is talking about humor in business and just having more humor in life, because we could all use some laughs, especially during uh, the season of, of the pandemic. But anyway, I'm looking forward to speaking with Brian. He brings humor to the workplace as well as to your life. If anyone had a PhD or a degree for being in love with laughter, it would be Brian for sure. He's a co-founder of Laugh, LAF, Tech Mini Workshops, and he does corporate trainings. He's got a podcast. He basically will help you bring the funny to your presentation. Welcome to the show, Brian. Nice to have you. Thank you so much, Pia. It's great to be here. Appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Before we start, I, I just want to share that I'm passionate about comedy, not Ooh. just stand-up comedy, but bringing more laughter into the world because Born. it is, first of all, I think it's really hard to do. I think it's really hard for some people to be funny or to find the humor in everyday life and more power to you to help, you know, helping us find that funny. Thank you. Yeah, you know what? It's, it is very difficult, especially in today's kind of ultra-sensitive and ultra-polarized society. So, yeah, yeah we, we work very closely with getting people to kind of develop their own mix, right? You know, em embrace the inner funny bone. It's not just when you knock it against a table. It's how do you actually develop what's inside of you already and make it part of your everyday, whether, like you mentioned, whether your work or whether you're, you know, just trying to become a better adult. Um, I think I put in those pre-show questions, right? I mean, adulting is hard. That <laughs> it's is. hard <laughs> enough. So we uh, really want people to understand that there's a time and place for everything, of course, but humor yeah. makes you, you know, better and it makes you more likable and more listenable. And nowadays we've got to stick together even more, especially yeah. since you're interviewing me in a cube right now, right? Yep. This is what we have. Yeah, so. this is what we're working with. This is what we're working with, people. It is. It is. <laughs> so before we dive in, I want to find out. I'm always curious. How did you get here, Brian? Like, what, <laughs> did you just wake up and go, you know what? I need some more laughter. You know, what was the uh, light bulb moment for you where you thought I could I could help people with this? You know, I was probably the world's worst corporate employee for many, many years. I worked I worked at a number of the big names, whether it was Microsoft or Boeing or AT&T when the sky was supposed to come crashing down, you know, as a Y2K project manager. And you're talking, oh my you're talking God. about a made-up <laughs> title, right? <laughs> yeah. Know, I wasn't rebellious, but I realized very quickly some of the things wrong in the workplace. And when I noticed that the HR groups, because they all knew me by name, and all of the the programs available within corporate America didn't allow 
workplace humor because of the risks involved in it. Um, granted, mm-hmm. this, was, this was a long journey to get there. I realized I wasn't hireable from the standpoint of being part of corporate America. So that's when I left roughly 2002. And then between uh, my other businesses and this business, it just kind of all came together. You know, because I'm a graphic designer by education and trade, and I've had that business for 30 years. And, you know, video kind of became a thing at mm-hmm. one point, you know, 10, 12, some odd years ago. And, and there's so many boring people out there and, and <laughs> gifted people, but they're boring. And yet when you're on video, it's no wonder that, uh, you know, your videos aren't being watched. You're not reaching your audience. So when I met my business partner, Marcel Allen, it became very clear that we needed to, to develop something that taught people how to become listenable, likable, watchable. And then ROIable. So as you can see, we're very scientificish. We make up names. But um, <laughs> it just became important. It became important to be kind of on the forefront to get people to utilize humor as a tool. So, yeah. And I love your self title of engagement specialist. Thank you. Um, because not only is engagement crucial for, you know, social media, your website, your, you know, when you're presenting to a small or large organization. It's really not just getting likes and, you know, and high fives, but it's more of a conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, So let's go back to pre-2020 when we actually were able to be in person and present. And and I'm a keynote speaker, so I, you know, I miss speaking from the stage. Oh, me too. But yeah, but how many times have you sat in the audience? I'm sure people who are listening today can relate. And you're just like, oh my God, I think I'm going to just die of boredom because the the content is really interesting, but the presenter is horrible. Like, <sighs> yeah. I, I don't have enough fingers and toes. In fact, I, yeah. <laughs> I would need to borrow your fingers and toes on top of mine because that is so often the case. I mean, we've yeah. worked with people that already travel the country that are already brilliant, that are already on stage. Like you said, as a keynote speaker, you miss that rush, right? You yeah. miss the feeling, you miss the the really horrible lighting that, that just makes you break out and sweat in like 10 <laughs> seconds. I mean, these are things that we live for, right? It's, it's an adrenaline and dopamine and endorphin-filled wonderful existence. And yeah, my gosh, there's so many people that you could literally put the entire... 10 rows to sleep because uh, you're not engaged, or not you, of course, uh, you know, <laughs> they are not engaged. <laughs> and it just happens all the time. I'm, I'm, I'm suddenly stammering right now because I'm remembering specific instances. But yeah, those are the people that um, are great clients for us because they know they're great and they know they're good and they're already getting paid for it. But then yeah. they want to embrace humor as a skill set. I mean, it, it becomes part of their tool belt and, and one of their offerings. Plus, they realize if they incorporate humor just by little tiny injections of this and that through the methodologies that we teach from into their already existing curriculum or presentation, suddenly, my gosh, they take what's great and it becomes amazing, right? Yeah, and there's some psychology behind it. From what I understand, you're probably more of the expert than I am, but from what I understand, <laughs> oh. you know, when you make people laugh, they remember what you're saying yes. more often than not. Do you yes. know any like statistics or anything to support that? 
Well, for starters, remember, 86% of statistics are made up. Um, so, when, <laughs> Is that uh, a statistic? Yeah. yeah. So, so when it comes to the scientific-ish nature of, of what we do, there have been a ton of studies in regard to what you're saying, the, the power, the influence that humor does to the entire learning experience. And you are absolutely right. When you are laughing, a number of things happen. Now, again, I'm not a scientist or <laughs> not even that. I just play part, one right? on Pia's <laughs> Zoom. Um, but, but what happens? is that you do go through an entire an entire experience it's a cardiovascular experience so of mm. course laughter is healthy right because your respiratory rate goes up your heart rate goes up hopefully you don't pass out but your brain releases endorphins and adrenaline and that entire process of course brings you into what's called uptime versus downtime now that's key if you're on video as well right or on yeah. stage because yeah. if i'm like hi pia i'm so glad to listen to you today it's been great to be on your show People i've had like, guests like that by the way <laughs> no, <laughs> no okay well great great re great referral but again that's downtime and when you're going through that entire experience of laughter you are learning faster you're remembering more you're simply enjoying yourself more. Again, you're getting a physical workout, even with your behind in a chair, right? From an audience mm -hmm. perspective. But what happens also is that you're also more easily swayed. Now, I'm not talking, you know, use the force type things here, but you're more likely to buy into what someone's talking about. You're more likely to remember key experiences within the entire presentation where you're made to laugh. So a skilled speaker uses humor, again, as a tool, because if they're using sounds, vocal variety, um, you know, certain comedians do it well, like the Jeff Foxworthy's of the world, you might be a redneck. I mean, all of those things are keyed in specifically to get people to pay attention, look up from their phones and their watches and their smart devices or not so smart devices, whatever, <laughs> and pay attention. And it's all techniques psychologically to get people to stay involved and stay engaged. It's brilliant. And, and you can go down many, many deep, you know, foxholes um, ab about all of that. So you work with uh, your clients with a methodology. How many? There's like six. Well, there's probably many, many more, but the yeah. <laughs> but but you have six, six basic ones. Can you go through them real quick? Just kind of give us a, a yeah, yeah. So, on it. so when Marcel and I began working together, she started pulling all of this, all of the curriculum and experience of how I utilize and address humor out of my head. Um, she comes from facing humor in a in a whole different fashion than I do. So we began to create that that middle ground right she's experienced the need for humor through trauma in her life um mm -hmm. i always used it as a defensive weapon like i was bullied mm -hmm. kids things and so on and so forth i would you know drop the joke bomb and then disappear in the smoke because i would mm -hmm. i would use it as an actual weapon too because i could cut someone off of the knees really quick if i found mm -hmm. something funny about something about them when i was the one being bullied i would end up almost reversing that onto them. So again, throughout the whole lifetime of, of this on both of our sides, our six methods of humor starts with scene, sound, story, <laughs> sensation, and then sequence, and then silly at the end. And oh, I like silly. Story short, it's done that way because every time someone's speaking, they set the scene right off the bat. Like, hi, yeah. I'm on a I'm on a podcast interview. I'm sitting in my podcast studio that I decided to set up right before COVID. Yay me, right? <laughs> uh, and then 
using sound, that's the power of our voice, right? It's not just throwing it toward the end and getting, seeing if you can hit the back of the room. It could be the power of being silent, the power of the ups and downs in your voice. If you're telling a story, you're getting people to be in your shoes, getting people to reflect upon moments of their lives. If you're using a sequence, again, that's sort of the joke method. The only time we'll ever try to teach someone to tell sort of a joke is when you give them a simple and a simple and a swivel. So something that's kind of funny to get their attention, then a little bit funnier, and then you hit them with that 180, right? Um, Can I get an example of that? Because that's interesting to me. Oh, see, I should have really, really prepped for this. Because you should have practiced. Come on, you're a stand-up comedian. One of the hardest things for (laughs) for me. But you know, okay. So from the design world, I always tell people, you, you know, like, like, thank you for listening to my presentation about why you should consider using me as a graphic designer, and that's because. The uh, first one is because you're using 16 different typefaces on your business card. And the the second one is because your logo is 12 colors. And have you ever tried to screen print that? And then my (laughs) third one will be because my company is called Weave Exalty Design because we're having this conversation. You know what I mean? It's that simple, simple swivel. And they're not designed to hurt. They're designed to get people's attention. And in presentations, Again, whether it's a business presentation or even, you know, you discussing with a loved one why he or she or they should do the dishes, you know, it can be used as an opening to that discussion. It can be used as an anecdotal two or three stories that support the introduction, or it could be used as a closing method, like I just <laughs> semi-poorly illustrated there from a design <laughs> consultation. So, yeah. and then the uh, last one, or the last two sequences, when you speak from the heart, you hit them with mm. the feels, right? You get them to experience sensation. And have you ever heard the term, if they laugh, they cry, they buy? If they laugh, no. they cry, no, that's they a buy. new. that's a new yeah. one. If you get people emotionally engaged in what you're talking about, once again, they're releasing the dopamines. I went the wrong way. It comes from here down. They, yeah. you know, they release the dopamines. They experience the adrenaline. They get emotionally engaged in what you're talking about. Heaven forbid they're crying, right? Because they're, they're in your shoes. They're experiencing that. They need what you're offering, right? Um, so that's where you're using sensation or worse. You know, if, if we've all heard the old yeller story, I mean, you know what happened to mm-hmm. old yeller at the end, right? Okay, well, that's an emotional end to a situation. So you can get people in that state. And again, they're more likely to buy what you have or buy into what you're just discussing or simply agree with you. And then silly from the methodology standpoint is because we're bad at math, it felt weird to end with five. Six is really (laughs) the way to utilize those previous five successfully in your own mix that you've discovered by working with us. Your own flavor, so to speak. Our own, yeah. Oh, I like yeah. that better than mix. Yeah, flavor. Yeah, a little, little seasoning on top. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We all like seasoning unless you're from the Midwest, right? Everything's just bland and straight. Down. Yeah. So, <laughs> fun fact, I'm an extrovert. Oh. I also feel pretty confident speaking and presenting. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm sure there are people listening that are like, look, I'm not funny. No one's ever told me I'm funny or confident. I'm shy. Like, I'm sure you've heard it all. Sure. Where do you start? Like, like people who are listening right now just need some quick tips that, you know, can make a big change. What, where can they start? I love that question. Um, we have the absolute joy of working with all age groups, for starters. We've worked with kids to solve resting Zoom face during the pandemic. 
teaching them techniques on how to sit up straight and get engaged and be in uptime, um, ways to talk and approach, not interrupting the teacher because they work hard enough that, you know, and then all the way through people that are at the end of adulting, at the end of their careers, and they want to just be able to take a deep breath and be who they're supposed to be. The shy ones are great though, because the amazing thing about folks that are shy is that they have so much confidence that's never simply been recognized. Mm. Um, some of them are in the middle of their career. Some of them are just starting or some of them are in a shift due to the pandemic. I'm, I hate the word pivot. I pivot. call it a shift because mainly, mainly that's a, that's a four-letter word. Um, it's, it's just very interesting because the way to start is to, for starters, contact us, even if it's for just a free consult. And you know, let us hear what some of their ideas are. What are they working on? What do they need to come out of their shell on? Because quite frankly, my, quite often it's not, it doesn't take a lot to get an introvert out of his or her or their shell. Because mm-hmm. what they are yearning for isn't, you know, the, a need to be pet. It's a need to simply be heard and listen to, which are two completely separate things. And we can yeah. teach people how to get to that stage very, very quickly. Again, whether it's just because they want to grow in confidence to talk to a loved one or an unloved one, whatever the situation merits, right? <laughs> or if they don't know how to address their boss, that they're uncomfortable about something going on, or if they're just terrified to give their next presentation in front of the board, whatever the yeah. case is. We recognize people amidst every one of these or amongst all of these steps, just reaching out. I mean, I will give someone a standing O just for that, because that alone recognizes that you know that you've got something inside of you and you know you want to change that and make it, again, from great to outstanding. We don't ever say negative. You know, we don't honestly talk in negatives because that doesn't benefit anyone. So so it sounds like you, you're you kind of culling out from their personality something that makes them unique and Absolutely. find the funny in it. Because Absolutely. you don't have to tell jokes, you don't have to like be bump bump bump. You know, there's there's way to spin their stories where yeah. there is humor in it, right? What's the first thing a baby does once it's born? Cries. Oh, I was gonna say that, that just backfired. <laughs> Aside from you know smack, <laughs> um, yeah, they cry. But the first time they see their mother and father, the they first smile. thing they do, ideally, they smile. And they laugh. Yeah. Everyone still has that baby-like innocence within them. Society and the environment in which they grew up is what knocks it out of them. We work really hard to identify not that you know infant-level innocence, but that's all still inside of us. It just needs to be cultivated. And there's nothing more powerful than the human laughter. Oh, for sure. And and, and just and, having a playful attitude yeah, and and yeah. presenting that way. So let's talk about people who are actually getting up on the stage or giving presentations to important people mm-hmm. in business. Um, aside from becoming a better speaker or presenter, how can they find levity? Like the room is t- totally serious. You know, they've got a good story, but what are some ways to relieve the tension, the stress, the pressure? you know, that you've seen that works really well? This is one of my favorite questions because um, I am the improv specialist. Um, I saw that. I love it. Yeah, my, uh, my business partner, Marcel, she's the one that likes to write stuff down and script and practice. And I just saying that I'm actually shivering because <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's not my forte. Um, I love working with people to improve their confidence and ability to do crowd work. So when when I'm doing auction work, when I'm doing MC work, it, I'm not just 
you know, talking about the death by PowerPoint behind me or whatever that situation is or reading what's been provided to me off of cards. I'm working with the crowd. I'm teaching people to make contact with one, two, three people in the audience in that typical triage. One person downstage left, um, another person somewhere in the center, the third person downstage right, because what happens is everyone realizes something like that's happening. And my gosh, no one looks down because they're terrified of getting called on and not paying attention. So crowd work is key and you can have fun with the audience like you said if they have a great message it's the most inspiring things it it makes babies cry and they've written it a million times they've delivered it a thousand times but it's falling flat if you turn the table on the audience and you start engaging with them and say hey what did i just say or hey let's just stop for a second and do curveball i mean there are improvisational techniques that we can teach people to throw into the mix of any presentation business class level serious you know or down to the you know hey everybody thanks for coming to this convention i'm your keynote speaker whatever the case is it lights the audience up and it causes that reaction i mentioned from the entire physical standpoint and people sit upright like i mentioned they're terrified of being called on and not being part of the mix already right no one likes being left out in the cold if you bring them in you're guaranteed to, uh, you know, maintain the attention and actually have people wanting to stay focused on you. Yeah, I've I've heard that before. I've actually used it. It's a great tip uh, is to identify not just people to focus on, but maybe maybe there's one or two people in the audience that you know is kind of, I call them my cheerleaders. So they're like, they, they're like, they believe in you and they've got this look on their face, like you're killing it. Right. And like engage with them because it keeps you going as well. Plus you're paying them well for doing that. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Always help to have a seat or two in the audience. Absolutely. And I love that you do improv. I've taken improv before. Um, It scares the hell out of me, but it's so useful in business. It's so useful. It is. You can get out of a lot of situations with with that kind of practice. Well, plus the the amount of honesty that comes out of improv is truly remarkable. I love, or we we love working with folks where management, you know, even upper level, CIO level, all the way down to, for lack of better words, the person that answers the phones are in the same room working with us because we literally make them swear on the curriculum. Whatever happens to Laugh Tech stays in Laugh Tech and will not be used against us during quarterly reviews. <laughs> I mean, it's like a sign off from HR. And we do rants and we do raves and we get people to talk really honestly negatively about something going on in their work atmosphere, whatever the situation is. And management's in the background going, my gosh, we didn't know this was an issue. We didn't know this was happening. But then we turn it around and have raves where suddenly the people that are even being not necessarily targeted, that's that's the wrong word, but someone that might be involved in the thing that isn't positive, well, they're also getting accolades from from people or managements are are getting accolades. Or again, the person who answers the phone that may be passed over on a number of different instances, suddenly they're hailed as the first person that our clients see every time they walk into the office is, you know, Joe, Jane, or, or, or whomever. And that person feels like a million dollars and they'll ride that for the rest of the quarter, right? Yeah. So, you know, Absolutely. enacting change and creating change in the work atmosphere just from taking them through rants and raves in our training sessions are, can be life-changing for a business. Yeah, it's, I love it's, that. It's a remarkable thing to witness. So you have also been a stand-up comedian. <laughs> um, <laughs> which I so respect and admire. Who are your favorite stand-up comedians? I'm curious. Uh, well, 
For starters, thankfully, it was way back when video camcorders were 800 pounds and they were on shoulders. <laughs> I had one of those. <laughs> Not a lot of proof of my stuff. Um, I was horrible, actually. I, I, I tried really hard and realized it wasn't for me, but darn it, I'll take my funny and go di- different directions. Um, Norm MacDonald was was actually one of my favorites, and mm. his recent loss is 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 huge. Um, yeah. Robin Williams definitely. I grew up yeah. watching him, and he was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then people that some people don't necessarily associate with you know comedy, but Bob Newhart. Uh, yeah, love him. Yeah, I mean, I I grew up watching all of those types of shows, and I didn't really watch comedians back in the day. I I say hesitantly, like Eddie Murphy, because his raw style of humor I was attracted to for a while, and I tried it, and it, it just wasn't really my style. Although I am the blunt person in the in the business relationship as a as laugh tech, I will tell you what I think you know, good yeah. or bad. And then Marcel will take the hallmark approach, you know, um, <laughs> more of a blunt edged sword. But yeah, I mean, there's, there's so many comedians out there that just do really good, consistent, funny, and ideally for me, clean humor. So I tend yeah. to resonate with, with that. I'm also horrible at names as silly as that sounds like I can watch an entire eight year series of a show and I don't know the name of the main character. So there are, there are people that have influenced me that I may not even realize um, yeah. still the Richard Pryor's, the Gene Wilder's of the world, folks like that. They primarily were the inspiration for kind of how I address and utilize humor. Yeah. One of my favorites is John Mulaney. No surprise there. He's, he's John brilliant. is brilliant. Yeah. He's really brilliant. But the point of, of all this is uh-huh. to encourage the audience who's listening to really study these comedians because yes. they do follow certain formulas and without getting in the weeds, mm-hmm. um, I think after you, you watch enough of them, you kind of catch on to what they're yeah. doing, you know, yeah. especially like the reach back, you know, like that's the thing where you like yeah. say something in the beginning of your skit and then reach back, but it's, yeah. I'm saying it wrong, but it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. um, I want to let's get to a fun conversation. So we've all been on Zoom for 18 months, and you talk about resting Zoom face, <laughs> which is hysterical because I use the resting B face term all the time. Yeah, yeah. I people probably understand what that means and how do you fix it? Well, for starters, recognize that what that you're doing it. And it's always really embarrassing. Um, I, we actually tell clients all the time, uh, when you're on Zoom presentations, every once in a while, just take a screenshot. Whether you're on a PC or Mac, you know, figure out what the shortcut commands are and take a screenshot three to four times a session. The reason why is because if you get, if you get good enough at it, it's just a keystroke, right? So you can, you can literally capture yourself in resting zoom face or others. And when you realize how frankly silly everyone looks when they're just completely checked (laughs) out, whether they suddenly developed a hundred chins or I mean, sometimes people are sleeping. Some people are so obviously just physically not even facing the camera. Yeah. Um, you realize, oh my gosh, I'm feeling this amount of angst or frustration or anger that they're doing it. Ideally, there's your, there's your throwback, right? I don't want to do that to anyone else. Yeah. So absolutely. telling that to adults you get a, a whole different reaction. Um, some of the kids we've worked with, like with the Boys and Girls Club, they actually want <laughs> to be caught in resting Zoom face pictures because they're <laughs> funny. But it's an act of recognizing that it's happening. And then as a speaker, to cure everyone else of resting Zoom face is to ideally 
employ some of these techniques that we teach them to stay engaging, engage with the audience, ask questions, stop every once in a while, sometimes repeat an entire paragraph you've just said and see if anybody reacts. I mean, again, whether it's a delay, <laughs> whether it's a delay or, 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 or something else going on, there's just so many little battles that we're dealing with nowadays that, you know, it, it got better for a while, but then there were rollbacks. It's like suddenly we're at Walmart, yeah. there's a rollback price, there's a rollback situation. <laughs> so this is what we have for the time being. And you just have to be aware. Yeah. If you haven't seen the video, YouTube video of the English professor who turned himself into a potato to present his to his students it's hilarious um so not saying that you should turn on the filter and become a potato or a cat um on zoom but you know yeah. it's a great practice to try to capture people's attention by interrupting what you're presenting to, yeah. to just have people laugh and relax um before we wrap up i want to make sure that people know where they can find you sign up for your workshops tell Wonderful. them tell them the the, the goods well, um, we are in the process of updating a lot of things because we just moved into a new office in the Mill Creek, Washington area. So um, there's going to be a lot of updates coming to our website, which is simply LaughTechNorthwest.com. So L-A-F-T-E-C-H-N-W.com. And then using that same spelling, if you just go onto Facebook and type that in, uh, we'd love it if folks want to uh, choose to like and follow our page and we'll be creating the actual events, publicizing that because even as early as next month, we'll have uh, two or three of our uh, commercial workshops where uh, business owners uh, can or, or, their, or their teams can be part of these two-hour workshop sessions where they're going to be able to walk out of um, these workshop sessions with three different ways of giving the same 45 to 90 second commercial about their business, but specifically toward up to three different demographics, you know, awesome. because you're not going to be able to uh, give the same commercial to a 25 year old that you would to a 45 year old or yeah. to a 65 year old. You have to be flexible and resilient enough to change the methodology of how you speak even to appeal to those three different age groups, for example. And that's been a really popular workshop of ours. Uh, and now that we're back in a physical location, still following COVID protocols, our new space can support, you know, 15 to 20 people. And those are going to be some really fun workshops and we have more coming. So that's, that's awesome. the best way to, to way, way to reach us. That's great. And we'll have more in the show notes. Um, you. Changing your elevator speech to be a little bit less dry is yeah. my number one goal for, for the rest of this year. So <laughs> I'll be calling you. <laughs> oh, it's so nice to have you on the show. I really appreciate it, Brian. And, and thanks for making me Thank laugh. You. It's my pleasure. It's what I do. Thank you so much for the <laughs> opportunity. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to the Make Your Marketing Podcast. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. Please visit our website for show notes and additional episodes at makeyourmarketingpodcast.com. Hey, and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and please consider rating and reviewing. This helps other potential listeners find us and share the goodies with them. And by the way, you can also email me because I'd love to hear from you. 
Email me at Pia at fingerprintmarketing.com with feedback, questions, a topic, anything that you want to chat about. Thanks again for listening. Thanks again for listening.